Welcome to the Popular Pig Podcast, a convenient place where you can stay up to date on what's popular in the swine industry. By listening to Popular Pig, you will receive invaluable information on the latest trends, news, and research from various experts who guide the global pork industry. Popular Pig is brought to you by SwineTech, the award-winning creators of SmartGuard and PigFlow. To learn how PigFlow can help you streamline your workforce and reduce piglet and sow deaths, visit swinetechnologies.com. Popular Pig is also made possible by the National Pork Board, Intervention, Crystal Spring, Johnsonville Foods, High Pork Genetics, Minitube, Brenneman Pork, Fibro Animal Health, Swine Robotics, Innovative Heating, and PigEquipment.com. Brought to you by American Resources. Welcome to the Popular Pig Podcast. I'm Matthew Rode, your host for this episode. And today we're joined by Dr. Dusty Odakoven to talk about ASF successes and failures, a tour overseas. How are you doing today, Dusty? Great, Matthew. Yeah, thank you for having me on the podcast. I'm uh, looking forward to it. Yeah, no, I like this topic because anytime you can get someone to talk about what's happening overseas, especially after COVID, uh, it's 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 a real fun fun thing to talk about. Before we jump into that topic, you have a pretty cool story from when you graduated to get to where you are today. Can you talk about that a bit? Yeah, sure. I think um, you know most most veterinarians uh, or most people who you know end, end up going to veterinary school probably you know have a, a career path in mind of, of clinical medicine, and that was certainly my goal too. Um, I, uh, I went. I grew up in Western South Dakota on a on a farm and ranch. We had uh, cattle and and pigs and uh, sheep, and uh, also some grain farming there too. But uh, my goal then, uh, you know, I went through 4-H and FFA and several different leadership positions there, and and uh, ended up at South Dakota State University, and then uh, came down to Iowa State for veterinary school and with the intent really to go back to Western South Dakota and work in a mixed animal practice. But somewhere along the lines in, at, at Iowa State, I got pretty interested in what the equine guys were doing. So I ended up in an equine practice out in um, in Wyoming for a couple of years and then uh, needed to come back to South Dakota to, to fulfill a tuition assistance contract requirement. So ended up working for the for um, the state of South Dakota, thinking I'd do that for a short term. And and uh, 20 years went by in the last 13 of which I was the state veterinarian. And so uh, during that time, I got to meet uh, Bill Even, who is now the CEO of uh, National Pork Board. But, um, you know, I had met him while he was the uh, secretary of agriculture uh, in South Dakota. So he and I had developed a good working relationship. And uh, and when the pork board was looking for uh, for a, a new chief veterinarian, um, I, uh, I was comfortable with uh, with working with Bill and, and uh, applied for the job. And uh, so, yeah, I've been, been here about a year and a half and uh, certainly not a, a career path I would have envisioned, but have really enjoyed it. And uh, it's opened a lot of great opportunities to work with pork producers and uh, animal agriculture is really my passion. And so uh, this is this is a lot of uh, an enjoyable group to work with. So where do your allegiances lie when it comes to rooting for sports teams? Are you uh, South Dakota or are you uh, Iowa State? We, we know it's rare that uh, that the Jackrabbits and the Cyclones ever pair up. Um, they did during a football game here uh, like last year or the year before, yeah. and it was a little it was difficult to figure out where it was gonna where it was gonna be. But yeah, it's uh, wrestling is the other area where they overlap, and that's uh, I, that that's more of a you know root for the individual, I guess. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So what's what 
challenges or opportunities came throughout your career that are really notable up to this point? What are some things that stick out to you that you just never would have expected? Yeah, you know, when I think about my time as a state veterinarian, um, there were several challenges, whether they be, uh, you know, think about a natural disaster that um, uh, that we had in 20, uh, 2013, I believe it was, uh, we had the, um, it was a winter storm that they named, uh, had a name, uh, and, I, and I have a lot more yeah. respect for the uh, named storms on the coast, you know, and, and uh, <laughs> The Midwest, we don't use that name storms, but yet it caused the death of uh, over 50,000 uh, cattle in the western side of the state. And so we had, you know, massive losses and carcass disposal issues and, um, you know, trying to uh, coordinate with uh, groups who wanted to come in and, and be helpful, uh, you know, working with mental health issues that, uh, you know, as ranchers saw their their livelihoods uh, destroyed, you know, uh, and, and just laying out in the, in the ditches. So, I mean, that was a, that was a huge challenge in, in dealing with both, uh, you know, it, it, not, not so much an animal health issue, but uh, yeah. livestock issue there. So, and then I think about, you know, a lot of, a lot of stuff along the way, we had the emergence of porcine epidemic diarrhea virus or PED. And, and of course now that's a, a, a well understood, uh, disease here in the U.S., but uh, it, it was unknown really before it arrived here. So trying to guide guide the industry and work with laboratory folks. Um, you know, that when that came out, that was nuts. Yeah. I, I remember I was in the farms when that came out and yeah, that was an interesting period to, to go through. Yeah. Yeah. And then of course we had the highly pathogenic avian influenza in 2014 and 15 and you know, the, the, the outbreaks, or I think the extent of the outbreaks in the last year or two have been even worse, but uh, we learned a lot from the, from, you know, the challenges we had in 2015 as to how we do uh, animal health uh, emergency response and coordinate those responses and work with uh, partners to get that done. So, so yeah, those are some of the things I, I recall. Um, also had a chance uh, a couple for a couple different times to serve in an interim capacity with, uh, as the secretary of ag, uh, in South Dakota. So, uh, um, one of those times, uh, while Bill Northey was the ag secretary in, um, in Iowa and the other time Mike Neg was. So, uh, I got to know both of them well in, in that capacity and, and understand, uh, you know, agriculture, uh, in a, in a broader, um, perspective there as the secretary of ag. So I've, I've had a lot of uh, really good opportunities throughout this career. And, and again, uh, coming to work for the pork board at a time when, uh, we have this threat of African swine fever virus spreading across the globe Yeah, uh, is really another unique uh, aspect to it. So before we dive into ASF, I'd love to ask you a couple questions. So I already asked you what's your, uh, what's your allegiance for division one, but what is your go-to karaoke song? Oh boy. I, I, I'm <laughs> not so good at karaoke. Uh, uh, I, you know, I like, I like country music and uh, I guess if I were, I mean, I, I like gospel music too. So, um, you know, I, I suppose a sing along to gospel music might be, might be, uh, you know, kind of my area. What is your favorite beer? Oh, um, I, fat tire is kind of a, a regular go-to, um, yeah. although in the Des Moines area, uh, easy Eddie is, uh, you know, uh, is, is, is a good one. I like that one. What is an actor or actress that you love or can't stand? Hmm. Oh boy. I, 
I'm drawing a blank on that one. I, you know, I, yeah, sorry. <laughs> your favorite movie or your least favorite movie? Favorite movie. Um, you know, I, I, yeah, I might revise this later, but I, I've always liked the back to this back to the futures, um, series. It's just kind of fun and well yep. thought out and it's a fun storyline to follow. Um, um, you know, I think I started watching Pulp Fiction one time and I was maybe like eight minutes into it and decided I couldn't stand it. So maybe that's my least favorite. The Quentin Tarantino films are like that because that Pulp Fiction ranks top 10 at all time of films ever that. produced. And I'm with you. I just haven't been able to get into that one. No, no. So yeah, it's, that's probably my least favorite. <laughs> What's on your travel bucket list? Um, yeah, that's a good question. Um, part of this trip to Germany, uh, kind of, kind of opened my eyes to, um, uh, you know, some, some potential travel in the future. I, we, we got to travel, uh, on a train along the Rhine river. And I saw some of these, uh, cruise boats going up and down that. And I've heard, talked to some people that have, that have done that. And I think that'd be fun to go back and, and, you know, spend some time just cruising up and down the, the Rhine river or the Danube or something and like that. Beautiful. The Rhine river is beautiful. Yeah, that's what I've, I've heard. It would, yeah, so yeah, that's that's on my bucket list. Cool, great questions. So, so, yeah, now to jump into today's topic on ASF, uh, tell us about what you've learned going overseas. I mean, there's a lot. You, I mean, you're going to obviously touch on successes and failures, but as, as a whole, what did you learn? Yeah, well, well, let me back up just a little bit. You know, from from kind of the time that I got here, which was. Um, uh, early 2022, we were not far. I mean, it, ASF came to the Dominican Republic and Haiti uh, really was the first time ASF had been in the Western Hemisphere in over 40 years. And and as I started, um, yeah, Bill, our, our CEO, was encouraging me to uh, go with, with USDA down to Dominican Republic and kind of see what was going on and how the response was going and, and learn about things there. So um, I started on that right away and I was able to do that last July. And I, re I remember a phone call to him, letting him know that I'd you know, been in contact with the USDA officials and they were uh, approving the travel. And he says, okay, good. Uh, be thinking about taking a trip to Europe in November. And I'm thinking, man, this is, this is, this, this job's got a lot of <laughs> go, go international travel type uh, 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 demands, but uh, it really was a great opportunity. And as I started to put together kind of the, uh, the, the group that would travel there and what we, what we wanted to learn. I mean, we were really seeking to learn from countries uh, who had dealt with ASF. And we wanted to kind of experience the variety of different uh, challenges uh, that, that these countries encountered and, uh, and learn about where were the successes. Um, and so as we kind of chose where we might go, we, we picked some countries like Poland that Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's had a lot of ASF, uh, since it emerged there in 2014, and yet they've been able to continue to export, uh, pork, even to the, even to the United States. And so one of the considerations about, um, you know, going to Poland was really to learn about the, the, uh, uh continued trade and what, what was all involved in, in being able to do that. Um, um, I should also back up and, and kind of preface this by saying the, the industry groups, the National Pork Board, and the Pork Producers Council in uh, early 2022 set out six industry priorities for ASF that, that they, th they thought were really important. And one of them on that list was uh, return to trade, you know, recognizing mm -hmm. that 
Um, the U.S. pork industry exports, you know, 28% or more of the product. Uh, it would be devastating if we get ASF here because that would be one of the first things we would lose is our, our ability to export pork. And uh, regaining those exports as, as quickly as possible will be one of the keys to success. So, so anyway, back to back to Poland and learning about how they were able to do that. That was one of the key things we wanted to learn about yeah. there. So, so yeah, I mean, I can just kind of go through each of these, but we, you know, yeah, love you. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, we, we learned, um, you know, we, 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 we went and met with, um, industry groups, um, and, and individual production systems and, uh, animal health officials in those areas, uh, and, uh, individual producers as well and, and veterinarians. So we, we asked a, a variety of questions about the initial response and about, um, you know, surveillance, uh, you know, what, what goes on on the day-to-day, um, uh, biosecurity, surveillance, traceability of animals, some of the things that we've planned for here, just to learn about, you know, have those been successful there and what do we need to do to, to bolster our, uh, preparedness here. So, um, so, so yeah, as we did that biosecurity there is, is for the most part beyond what we have here. Um, you know, for example, Denmark, uh, we, we didn't go to Denmark, but the chief veterinarian for Denmark came to, uh, Brussels when we were in Belgium and he presented on what, what they had done there. Um, and, and Bel- or, uh, Denmark is dependent on exports for their pork industry. And they, they export, uh, primarily to Poland and Germany, but they also export, uh, genetic material around the globe. And so, it was very important that they keep it out. So they decided to build a fence, um, made that decision in 2017, and it took them two years to build a fence. It's a, uh, about a 40-mile um, uh, fence across the entire border that they have with Germany. Uh, and then they, they um, killed all of the wild boar that were on their side of the fence. That's the other thing we learned everywhere we went. Wild boar are, are everywhere throughout Europe. And that's uh, partly responsible for maintaining uh, ASF and the spread of ASF. And, um, and, and so in the case of, of, uh, Denmark, they decided to, to build this fence across the entire border with Germany and kill all the wild boar on their side and then require truck washes, uh, or uh, trucks that come back into the country to be washed. And they have over 28,000 trucks a year that come through these three ports of entry uh, wow. after they've delivered their, their, uh, pigs out of the country. So, and so, you know, it's, it's so strict that, you know, the trucks show up to the, um, uh, to the port, uh, to the truck wash, they're visually inspected. And if they have anything that's, that's, uh, still dirty, they get rejected. They have to go back to Germany and get a, get, you know, wash their truck and then show up again to the border where they get another, if they pass the visual inspection, they get a truck wash and then, uh, uh, a sanitation and, and then they get a certificate of have a clean truck and they can proceed to wherever they're going. The trucks are all tracked too. So they have not only traceability of their animals, but traceability of those trucks. They know what countries they've been in and, and where uh, the high risk areas are and you know what trucks are more concerned than others. So, uh, so that was an example of, of the biosecurity, um, the increased biosecurity that we saw. That's, that's incredible. Yeah. That's a long fence. Oh yeah. Yeah. And you know, so we get to thinking, you know, we had, I, you know, you, you may be aware, but there's a there's a growing threat of wild pigs in Canada that, um, you know, that surveillance shows that continue to move further and further south and, you know, right kind of on the border with uh, Montana, North Dakota and Minnesota. 
we had the state veterinarian from Montana along on this trip and we and we asked about, you know, what what would the discussion be like if we thought about building this meter and a half tall fence along the border with Canada, you know, and we, you know, it's just hard to think about, you know, how would we pay for that? Would it be, you know, would we go to, you know, the government say we need fencing materials? Of course, we would need authorization to do that. But I don't know if a fence along the border with Canada is, is uh, present anywhere, but, <laughs> you know, thinking about building a fence to keep pigs out um, or, or, you know, would we do the same in, in Mexico? And, and there are areas there where there are pigs that move across the border as well. So, um, you know, the, the decision I think in, in Denmark, as we heard was, was not popular among everyone, but their industry, uh, decided that that was what was going to be necessary to, to maintain their livelihood and the important economic uh, contribution that the pork industry makes in Denmark. So other, other places where we saw fences used, you know, uh, Belgium, what we learned in Belgium was, um, and I just, the, the punchline on Belgium is they made the demonstration, they demonstrated that you could eradicate uh, ASF from uh, from the country. They found their first cases in 20, uh, uh, 2018, I believe it was, in wild boar. They, they found uh, three wild boar carcasses that were infected or that were positive for the disease. And so they fenced around uh, the infected carcasses about uh, 240 square miles. The um, it was, a, I think, a 300-kilometer fence that went around the infected carcasses. And they had, they had to expand that zone a couple of times, but each time building fences to contain the infected population. So instead of fencing out, they were doing some biocontainment. They let the population in there kind of settle, and then they came in with sharpshooters. And over the course of a year, they eliminated every carcass and wild boar within the containment area. And, uh, and they also eliminated all of the uh, domestic pigs in that area too as a and, and they never did have positive cases and they didn't have ASF in domestic pigs but uh, oh. they did find a, a number of infected carcasses eight, over 800 infected uh, wild boar in that containment area so it took them a year to eliminate all of the, the wild boar and domestic pigs within the containment area uh, but they they demonstrated that they did and and um, so one year after the last positive carcass would have been two years completely after the initial finding, they were able to regain their ASF free status uh, from the European Commission. So uh, Belgium and, and the Czech Republic are the only two countries in recent history that were able to eradicate the disease and uh, demonstrate that they were they were free again. So, well, if the pork board needs people to go shooting wild hogs, I think you'll find plenty of volunteers <laughs> in the industry. So. <laughs> yeah. be too hard. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And, and you, know, I, you know, I talked a little bit about the wild boar over there, but um, there's a, a hunting culture over there that reminds me a little bit of our deer hunting culture here. You know, everybody loves to hunt the wild boar. Um, they they maintain habitat for the, the, the wild boar so that they can go hunt them. Uh, some areas are more expensive to go hunt. You know, you think about, uh, I don't know what the right yeah. analogy would be, but, you know, a, a, a a big Rocky mountain elk hunt versus, uh, someplace else where it's not as expensive. I don't know, but, um, you know, the, the hunting there is different than we think about hunting feral pigs, for example, but, um, but they do use hunting to control the population and certainly have, have tried to increase the hunting pressure in areas across Europe where, uh, ASF is, is in the wild boar. Um, we learned that, um, and we learned this from uh, from a veterinarian in Germany. She said ASF is like a pug, a pug dog. Uh, and you think about a, a pug dog with this little short legs and 
not a lot of ambition to, to roam very far. And, and ASF is a little bit like that within the natural pop, within the natural spread within wild boar, it only moves three to 12 kilometers per year. So it's, it's kind of wow. a slow spreading virus. Uh, but you put that pug in a car and take it down the highway and it can go as fast and as far as the person driving the car will, will take it. And, uh, and that's the illustration that we saw to demonstrate how ASF is moving in Germany. Uh, initially, Germany had infected wild boar along its um, uh, eastern border with Poland. And uh, it did get into the wild boar there and, and kind of spread slowly. But then all of a sudden they had new cases that were several hundred kilometers away from any any area where they had infected wild boar. And uh, that happened. You know, they had cases in the northwest and the southwest and additional cases in kind of the north central part of Germany. Again, a long ways from the wild boar and really even different strains than they were finding in the wild boar along the border of Poland. And so what they attributed this to when they did the uh, epidemiology and started figuring out how this was, was moving around is just people people that were uh, discarding uh, pork products that, that were contaminated and they were um, <clears throat> bringing products from other countries that, uh, that had high levels of ASF infection, such as Romania. Uh, the entire the entire uh, country of Romania is, um, uh, you know, well, is, is classified as high risk because of the um, density that they have ASF in their domestic pig population. And what we heard, in, we we spoke with a uh, production veterinarian in Romania who said that approximately forty percent of the pig population in, in Romania is backyard pigs, and uh, so many of the uh, people that have backyard pigs will have a pig that gets sick from ASF, maybe contact with wild boar or some other way that it gets into their, their backyard pigs. And, and the family will slaughter that pig either by themselves or at a local locker. And then they make these traditional sausages or, um, you know, um, various pork products that they, that they dry or smoke. And, and any of these um, processes don't, they, they, they don't get the, they don't reach the lethality level of cooking to kill the virus. So, Many of these products are infected or, or contaminated, I should say, with ASF. And then as people travel from Romania to other or, or these other Eastern European countries that do the same thing, but they, um, they then carry those products uh, to other parts of Europe. And as they're discarded, you know, in public areas, there are wild boar that have access to that garbage and can come up and consume the contaminated products and become infected and then spread it to other wild boars. So, so that's, yeah, we, that's what's happening in Germany. Yeah. We interviewed Dr. Adrian Balaban. I don't know if you know Dr. Balaban at all out of Romania, but he, uh, he was talking about a couple of locations as a veterinarian that he was, uh, he was in charge of and they broke twice the same place. It was just, it, it sounded like a nightmare. Yeah. Very frustrating there. Um, this, this production veterinarian we talked to, um, uh, had an 8,000, uh, head South farm that he was responsible for. And it was double fenced. Um, yeah. Part of the biosecurity there was, uh, of course, you know, restrictions on the employees owning pigs or being around pigs, but you know, that's a, that's a difficult thing to, to manage or enforce. But so they had what they call a dry shower where they'd come to the outside fence, change, you know, come through a, come through an area, change clothes and then walk to the inner fence then go through the the more what we would consider the shower in shower out procedure for higher biosecurity but uh, all that said they still had one barn that broke and uh, romania and we heard has a capacity for over a million sows but they're down 
uh, less than 100,000 sows right now because of the uh, challenges in, in, in wow. maintaining a negative herd. So, um, and so they really don't have any export ability. So when they get uh, ASF in a farm, it's there's less of an urgency to, uh, you know, to take the whole farm down and, and really more of a priority on just how can we get rid of the virus and manage the disease. And so in this case, he said that they got it in, in one barn and they were able to depopulate that barn almost immediately. And over the course of the next week, they depopulated the barns on either side of them that never did have a positive in them, but uh, they did it out of a, you know, abundance of caution. And then uh, the rest of the farm was negative. So they were able to kind of maintain a, a negative farm through uh, through depopulating three barns, but uh, the rest of the farm was was maintained. So um <clears throat> What's what's so what's Poland doing so well that allows them to export? Yeah, good question, and and thank you for that because one one thing that we really that was that was um, impactful from our visit is recognizing the zoning and the zoning classification that exists throughout uh, the European Union, and um, and it's driven by a regulation uh, from the European Commission, and uh, it recognizes. Uh, I guess four different zones, you know, the free zone or free area where ASF doesn't exist. Um, zone three, I'll kind of go backwards. Zone three or the red zone, as they call it, uh, is where ASF has been found in domestic pigs. And there's no movement allowed out of a, a zone three. So you can't move any domestic pigs out of a zone three. Um, and if you don't have a market for them, you know, they've got to be, you know, I guess, I guess euthanized or, uh, or depopulated because there's no place you, you just can't leave a zone three. Um, <clears throat> and there are additional biosecurity and fencing requirements uh, in the zone three as well. And then there's zone two. And this is what's really important as we think about something that we could do differently here in the U.S. Zone two or the pink zone is where it's only in uh, wild boar. And yet uh, domestic pigs through additional surveillance are proven to not have ASF. And you can move pigs, domestic pigs, out of zone two, uh, so long as you uh, adhere to specific um, biosecurity requirements and uh, surveillance. I, I believe, as I recall, they have to sample two dead pigs a week uh, and send those, send all of those samples to a to their official laboratory to prove that, that they're not carrying ASF, and then they can export to a uh, to a slaughter plant, or excuse me, they can they can. The market to a slaughter plant and then you have zone zone one or the blue zone which is not there's no asf in that zone but it's a buffer zone around zones two and three and just for additional surveillance so really the the product that is exported from poland uh are all from the free zone uh not from zones one two or three but you know specifically from the free zone but it's just their adherence to the uh, classification system and the traceability that they have uh, and the segregation within the within the harvest facilities that allows them to only source products for pigs from the free zone and keep that product segregated from uh, uh, product from other zones. So, and again, we we took that home as a as a to do or to study is you know <clears throat> thinking about if we were to get uh, ASF in feral pigs in Florida, for example, um, how would we demonstrate to the rest of the world that hey. Our product coming out of the Midwest, for example, is is nowhere near those feral pigs in Florida, sure. and there's really no risk. And we'd like you to continue to accept our product uh, and have confidence in U.S. pork that it's that it's not uh, contaminated with ASF. So we've got some work to do there. What were some of the biggest takeaways then um, 
with that included, right? But some of the biggest takeaways when you came back, you're talking to the pork board, what did you learn that you took back and you were like, okay, yeah, this is, this is something we need to consider. Yeah. You know, I think, um, route of transmission or, or, you know, what the, the reservoir and the, and the, and the mode of transmission, we, we recognize that throughout Europe, wild boar are, are, pre, are prevalent everywhere and they will continue to be a risk. And that could be the same here. You know, we've got over 6 million wild pigs, uh, mostly in the South, uh, Southeast part of the country, but also 60 million, six, six, yeah, 6 million, six million. Oh, okay. I heard 60 million. And I'm like, Holy cow. It's a lot more than I, than I would have imagined. Yeah. Okay. So we have 6 yeah. million. Six million, I think, is the last estimate, and and then of course we've got this growing threat of um, feral pigs that are in Canada that that may be you know impinging south also. So um, you know we we recognize that it's it's different here than it is in Europe, and yet uh, some similarities exist to having the potential for a reservoir of disease. But the but you know even bigger than that, people are the biggest risk for spreading ASF, and that's really what our threat is now. People it could be moving it in from from other countries. Uh, you know, not being careful about bringing contaminated meat products or potentially contaminated products from other countries or, you know, trans transferring to other animals. You know, we think about dogs that are coming into this country potentially illegally from countries that have ASF and the, the bedding and the things that accompany that. So we're reliant on our, on our CBP, our customs and border, uh, protection, uh, folks that are, that are, trying to uh, be the filter for a lot of that stuff that comes in. And Beagle Brigade. A, yes, the Beagle Brigade and, and all that goes into uh, inspecting our seaports and airports. So, but people are the biggest risk. That's that's one of our takeaways. So the other thing I think we, we zoned in on was how important fencing is. And when we consider our veterinary stockpile and all of our response uh, tools and supplies, um, you know, we, we thought probably coming back, we'd not spend enough time talking about fencing and the importance that that may have in um, preventing further spread or containing the disease. You know, if we were to get, again, if we, we, we talk about, well, if you get in, if you got ASF in Texas and feral pigs, uh, can you convince some of these big Texas ranch ranches that are out there that you want to fence in their entire ranch and get rid of all the pigs there? You know I mean? I know some of these things we talked At that point, you're getting exactly. shot at. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, there's we value our independence here and our our private land ownership and uh, our ability to do what we want, and so I think some of that is a challenge that we would have uh, in thinking about methods that worked in Europe. Uh, you know, fencing in uh, disease in Belgium, for example, it would be it would be a difficult ask here, but but we also you know know that timing is really important. You've got to take these actions quickly. Uh, you got to be prepared with the supplies and the finances and the and the and the legal framework to do to operate in too. So, so if you were in the south, would you be putting fences around new farms or farms in general? Would you be building a fence? Yeah, you know that that's something that we've we've worked with a little bit within the U.S. Uh, Swine Health Improvement Plan um, Feral Pig Mitigation Work Group. Is you know should we be recommending fencing around farms that have uh, contact with pigs? Uh, with with feral pigs, um, and I think ideally yes. Although right now it's hard to uh, envision investment, you know, in a facility when when you know the economies of the industry are are, are down right now, and um, and we don't have ASF. So I think you know you, you have a lot of people thinking, well, I'll build the fence when it when we need to, um, <laughs> but that, that but it's almost is, too. <laughs> yeah, it's almost too late then. Well, it is too late then, and um, a fence like that. 
you're, you're probably what looking 50 to 100 grand to put a fence up like that around a 5,000 head south farm. Yeah. You know, I don't, we, I think maybe, maybe more 50, 50 grand might be on the upper end of what we, what we've studied recently okay. on that, but you know, depending on the type of fence, I mean, this, this one we saw in Denmark was, um, like I say a meter and a half tall and then half a meter down, you know, under the ground to prevent the oh. pigs from burrowing in too. So you got to take that into account. So, yeah, but yeah, I mean, um, fencing supplies, we think will be in short supply if we get ASF because then that'll be the idea that everybody wants to go with is to, to fence away from, especially if it's in feral pigs, you know? Um, but I, I think it's a good consideration. I, I think you'd want to. And of course, today we still have the threat of, brucellosis and uh, pseudorabies that are in that are in some of the population of feral pigs and those are diseases we've eradicated from domestic pigs but uh, occasionally we'll find positives i'm i'm aware in the last month there have been investigations into prv and brucellosis uh, uh, positive samples uh, and and you know so i think the risk is there and, and worth considering whether or not we're talking asf or, or domestic diseases but I mean, and we're putting in filtered barns, right? We're investing in biosecurity and a lot of these things that we're investing in for biosecurity are far more expensive than a fence. Yeah. 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 And I, you know, it depends on where you're at and what your yeah. risk is. Um, you know, I live in South Dakota where we don't have, or don't yeah. know that we have feral swine. And, you know, if you've got a high biosecurity South farm here, um, you may not need to put a fence up, you know, I mean, I just think you look at, well, what's the risk. It's probably not very, very, very big here, but you know, if you've got a, uh, uh, if you're in, in, I'll just say Southern Missouri, not to pick on any place in particular, but we know there's feral pigs well, there. And, yeah. you know, if you've got a, a finishing unit that has, um, curtains and there's obviously outdoor access to feral pigs and, and the feral, and the feral pigs can walk right up and have nose to nose contact with your pigs you know, I, I think there you're in a, a risky situation that might warrant, you know, considering putting up a fence. So, you know, and again, that's going to be economic dependent and, you know, you got to weigh all these other risks you've got out there too. ASF is not an airborne disease. It is a, a nose to nose contact. So if you can fence pigs out, you can, you can fence them. I mean, if you can fence the feral pigs out and keep them away, you've, you've mitigated your risk pretty well there. So to kind of wrap things up, are there any last thoughts, final thoughts you'd like to share? Well, um, again, you know, we, we visited Poland, Belgium, and Germany, and then also had the chief veterinarian from Denmark and talked to a production veterinarian from Romania. And it's almost like stepwise, if you were going to emulate a country, you'd be like Denmark and keep it out. Uh, next best is best uh, is follow the, follow the example of, of Belgium and um, uh, eradicate it once it shows up in a feral pig. Um, if, you, if we end up with it spread throughout like Poland, we'd want to be able to have regionalization to continue to export. Uh, Germany has a number of challenges besides ASF to their animal agriculture uh, uh, industries right now, uh, just culturally and politically, but, yep. um, but they've certainly not been able to stop the spread, I think the long distance spread, and that's something you'd want to certainly try to avoid. And then Romania is endemic with, with ASF with no real hope to get rid of it anytime soon. So that was our observations on those five. And uh, we took something home from each one of them. Collectively, none of them regained their, uh, the same type of uh, export opportunities that they had uh, before they, before they had ASF. So that's another take home is that we, we are, um, you know, we want to establish those trade negotiations and, and, 
and, and try our best to keep those going when we can. But, you know, I, I would say it was, it was a really uh, informative trip, educational for uh, the veterinarians and producers and animal health officials that, uh, that went along on the trip. We all uh, learned a lot and have been able to bring back some of our, our learnings to uh, inform what we're doing uh, with pork checkoff dollars and, and also just uh, within the industry on the, at the farm level. That's awesome. No, I appreciate you sharing that. There's a lot there that uh, I learned. I'm sure a lot of people are going to be learning as well uh, from that. To close things out, could you share, we always do this, a golden nugget, a bit of life wisdom you picked up along the way in your career uh, that uh, others can learn from? <laughs> well, I, I I love to learn. And I mean, I, I learn something new every day. I guess maybe that's uh, that's the life nugget is, is be open to learning something new. Um, Things that you think you know uh, can always be improved upon, and uh, you know, again, uh, related to this trip, that was certainly true. Uh, we, we, my, my eyes were open to a lot of uh, challenges that uh, that I have a better understanding for now, and I, I think uh, you know you can do that every day: is uh, read, learn, listen. Um, <clears throat> that would be my 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 nugget of wisdom. Appreciate that. Well, thank you for joining us on the Popular Pig Podcast. It's been a real pleasure. Yes, thank you, Matthew. I appreciate the opportunity and uh, good to be here. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Popular Pig. We aspire to learn and grow together through the experience and wisdom shared by our esteemed guests. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and colleagues within the swine industry. For more information, please go to popularpig.com to receive updates when new episodes are available. Popular Pig is brought to you by SwineTech, the award-winning creators of SmartGuard and PigFlow. To learn how PigFlow can help you streamline your workforce and reduce piglet and sow deaths, visit swinetechnologies.com.